Oh yeah, that's what it sounded like back in the day. Now, you're listening to the ASI Podcast. Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. This is Season 5, Episode 39. Today, my friend Jim Henderson stops by and we talk about hacking the ministry. WTF, right? What the fundamentalism. Ah, some 6 a.m. right there. What does it mean to hack the love business when it comes to ministry? Yeah, it is October 2017. I love this time of year. I do love the fall. I love the summer more, I'll be honest. <laughs> I like the nice weather. But here in the Seattle area, the leaves are turning different colors and coldness is getting into the air. The days are becoming shorter. The rain is falling. Not today, though. It's pretty nice today. It's actually been pretty nice all week. A bit of an Indian summer, we call it, around here. And uh, and I like it. But I also like the fall. I enjoy autumn football season, pumpkin spice lattes, uh, pumpkin beer, and, you know, it's it's just a killer time of year. <laughs> horror movies right uh you know i wanted to t- just kind of wrap at you guys before i get into my uh my talk with jim henderson uh i so last tuesday i went to the emergency room i know right so what russ what is that about um i swallowed a piece of chicken and it got lodged in my esophagus for hours, like my eyes turned all red because I was puking for like four to five hours just trying to get this thing to come up. And then I was trying to drink, you know, like any kind of liquid that would force it down, usually like soda. You know, I'd take a Sprite and just try and guzzle it and push. No, that didn't work. But I couldn't even swallow for, yeah, like five or six hours. It was crazy. So I finally, about 1130, my wife is looking up, uh, you know, WebMD stuff. And she comes across this thing called steakhouse syndrome where people in steakhouses uh, die because they get a piece of meat stuck in their throat and their esophagus perforates and it just goes really bad. So at that point, I figured, yeah, we probably should go to the emergency room. And this is the second time this has happened. So the doctor there, a gastroenterologist, is like, you know, um, this shouldn't happen, and we're going to try and figure this out for you. And so I'm supposed to go back to the doctor and get that all straightened away. But the reason the reason I tell you this story is I – so after I left the hospital, I went to the doctor the next day, and they said, your esophagus is pretty torn up because they basically had to send a scope down my throat 
to try and find this piece of chicken, which is pretty sizable. I guess it's about the size of my thumb, you know. Um, and my esophagus kind of closed up around it. So they they got it out, but they also tore up my esophagus as well as me getting that thing stuck in there. Because when you're nervous, you know, and I tried breathing for a while while the thing was stuck in there. I'm trying to just, you know, calm myself, sort of meditate, bring my heart rate down and bring my... Uh, you know, my muscle relaxers, right? My natural ones into order. And yeah, nothing worked until I went to the hospital. They even gave me muscle relaxer at the hospital. That didn't work. So, oh, and keep in mind, this was Tuesday. I finally go to the emergency room at 1130 at night. So like two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning rolls around. You know, I've got this muscle relaxer not working. And they said, well, okay, we're going to have to call the team. And I'm like, the team, you know, I'm thinking, you know, universal, right, movies with uh, Marvel characters showing up like some some team that has to show. This sounds expensive, too, right? Like, how much is this my insurance going to cover? Like, oh, no, a team. So five o'clock in the Wednesday morning, the team shows up to remove the obstruction specialists like gastroenterologists to go down there with a scope and remove that thing. So that was, yeah, that was no fun. Uh, and then the doctor comes out and he has more news, right? <laughs> like he says, okay, uh, you know, we've removed this obstruction. He tells my wife, uh, here's some things that he needs to be aware of this week. And, oh, by the way, no solid food. So for a week, I couldn't eat solid food because my esophagus, again, was pretty torn up like shoving a uh, full-sized, like, gray squirrel down a garden hose to retrieve a nut. That kind of torn up, right? <laughs> I'm exaggerating. But you get what I mean. So, anyway, no solid food for a week. And that, listeners, that was eye-opening to me. The reason I say that is is getting into talking about this in my own recovery from my compulsive issues with sexual right stuff, my sexual appetite, right? To use that word, appetite. That word appetite is thrown around a lot. And sex isn't like food, first of all. It feels kind of like food because it feels like when you haven't had it for a while, you start getting hungry for it. Um, it's not really the same. But the the desire feels like that. And when I couldn't eat solid food for a week, it it started to open my eyes to how much throughout my day that food revolves around my thought life, you know, like where I'm at. It, so I drive Uber and Lyft all day around the Seattle area. And depending on where I drop someone off, I think right around, you know, between 11 and 1, it's like, oh, I could eat here, I could eat there. And it's just weird. Not that those things are bad, but there's some really great little, you know, hole in the wall places to eat fairly cheap, like in the international district, uh, like the Chinatown they used to call it, but it's actually kind of like Asian. The whole area is there's like Japan town and Vietnamese town. And there's this really great Vietnamese place that I stop at. It's called New Saigon. And you get like, you know, like a, like a filet of salmon and rice and other stuff. It's like six 
bucks. It's crazy. Uh, love that place. But that's one example, right? See, there I am lusting after food. I'm a little overweight too. You know, I'm about 25 pounds overweight. So this last week of me not eating solid food was, it was almost like some kind of a wake up call. Like God was shaking me awake out of my, my lustful appetite towards just food, just the, just to be aware of how much it consumed my thoughts. And is my body using it as Seth said about sexual addiction, right, or sexual compulsive behavior, um, being unconscious suffering, right? There's this kind of unconscious suffering going on. That's what addiction is. Um, Seth was was talking about that on the last episode. Uh, I read this this quote by uh, Philip Slington. Wrote a book called The Valley of an Unknowing. Um, Desire is an appetite quickly salted longing is a wound an opening in the heart or the spirit whatever the cause whatever the duration it almost always leaves a scar there's this strange conflict going on right what our thirsty heart and spirit are thirsty for is usually can be um, sidetracked or diverted by this, you know, salty, kind of fleshy, right? I need to eat this now. I need to consume this now as a way to, you know, delay healing of the wound. You know, there's there's a reason for it. Um, my friend Chuck went to a White Raven, uh, the White Raven Center people came here to the Seattle area, and he went through that. I was going to ask him if he wanted to share some of his experience here on the podcast, um, but he had had some, some things to say about that as well. Like there's, there's sexual addiction, for example, or sexual compulsive behavior. I think that it serves a kind of purpose in us for a while. Um, maybe my appetite or my thoughts are surrounding food, you know, it's doing something to serve me or to alleviate pain in some way. And in that sense, it's not a bad thing, but there's so much more, right? There's so much more to live for than just our surfacey, shallow, immediate desires. And, uh, that's what I, kind of became aware of with this not eating solid food for a week wanted to share that with you for what it's worth um russ at asi247.org is my email address i'd love to hear from you uh does that make any sense what i said there uh also there are surveys on the website asi247.org is the website where you could uh, fill out a survey i'll ask you a series of questions uh, that I'm willing to bet that no one has ever asked you when it comes to uh, the struggles that come along with this. And again, I'm not a therapist. I'm not some, you know, uh, guru or doctor or anything like that. I'm simply a guy that's been through it and I, I've suffered through it and I know what that feels like. Um, so, so I asked some questions there. Uh, but 
Also, this show is a uh, listener-supported podcast, so listeners uh, make it happen with donations to the podcast. If you'd like to give, uh, throw some gas money in the tank to keep these podcasts uh, going, I'd certainly be uh, more than grateful for you to uh, partner with me on this uh, this journey of putting this message out there. Um, ASI247.org. Other side of this bumper, Jim Henderson and I talk about hacking the ministry. Jim Henderson, once again, we are at Zoka's Coffee in the U District, Seattle, Washington. This is a very frequented uh, place for students and stuff like that, right? I believe it's highly frequented. <laughs> it's a lot of traffic. Probably one of the best coffee shops in the city. Right? Besides acoustically, it's awesome. Yeah, this booth is the... This, this is, is a this secret like a studio. I've written books in this booth. Yeah? I have, yeah. That's, that's Nobody's awesome. bought them, but I wrote them. <laughs> That one, the book you did with the guy that you bought the soul from on yeah. eBay. Yeah. Jim bought a guy's soul for $500 no. and, and ended up writing a book. $504. That's the only reason we won. The $4. That was the You one. had to jump that in at the that last money. Minute. That's right. And, and you got it. But you ended up uh, touring the country with a, with a guy writing a book about that. Jim and Casper go to church, right? That, did, yeah. that book did pretty well. That book did right? well. It's still selling, yeah. yeah. I have a couple books that are still selling, which are great. Yeah. Um, but the reason we're here is because I want to tell you about this cool event I have coming up. Hack the Ministry. Right. Hacktheministry.com. I uh, have been involved in professional ministry for about 25 years. Semi-professional, I should say. I was supporting myself most of the time. Uh, and retired from that and went into production. And then, but I've never really left sort of my curiosity around ministry, meaning the whole idea of why are they, why don't we recognize all the different ways people serve? Right. Why don't we recognize that? Uh, and that's why I'm interested in, in having you on this podcast and talking yeah. about this because this uh, ASI thing is a sort of very hacked ministry type right. of thing. It's right. the it's the thing we don't want to talk about right. that's going on everywhere. Right. And you talk about um, pornography addiction or compulsive sexual behavior when it centered around pornography and it's it's rampant and it's it's a huge thing in the church world but just nobody wants to talk about it so that's one of those things like hacking the ministry you you're you're a very outside the box thinker and I'm I'm glad to I'm honored to have you on this podcast honor is a little about. too strong <laughs> it makes me nervous how about like, I'm happy I'm happy I'm happy Jim <laughs> to have you <laughs> uh, my friend Jim Anderson here so yeah so I'm interested in uh, helping people redeem the M word the ministry word because yeah. it's become basically a ponderous thing to manage even people that are in the profession are sort of weighted down by it yeah. and they're chasing it for some meanings and some of the people listening to this podcast clearly probably were in in the M word business at one time or another and understand exactly what I mean. And then you have all these unrecognized people like yourself who is doing who are doing these interesting things 
you know. And if I, you know, put a gun to your head and I said, "Does this have anything to do with Jesus?" I'd be forced you to say yes. You'd probably admit it, right? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so people are doing these things. But I say in partnership with Jesus, they don't go out and like broadcast it, but they, it, but it's emanating from that, yeah, that, that partnership, that thing that's going on inside of them. Exactly. And I want to recognize those people. So I'm bringing about 20, 25 of my friends together who I know do this from bishops in the Anglican Church down to people that work in gardens. I have a political operative from uh, a Republican coming in from Washington, D.C., a young woman who's very bright, and I've got a guy that used to be a pastor now is a winemaker, and he's basically pastors at his winery. Right. Um, and, and you're not a super Republican guy. I'm not Republican. <laughs> no, oh my God, no, don't say that. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry to anybody that's offended. <laughs> kind of, not that sorry. But uh, that's part of your deal too, is bringing in uh, a different viewpoint. Oh, totally. Staying in the room with difference totally. is part of this exercise. Like one of my one of my mo- models for I love doing live events because it, human beings change principally when they can get eyes on each other. Right? Yeah. You can hear their voice, you can see their body language, because it's a primal thing. It's like, I got that, I know it, I got it. Yeah. And either you're faking me out, but at least it's a fair fight. Yeah. I don't have to read it. I mean, I get to get eyes. So I love getting in the room with people, particularly people with ideological opponents, yeah. people that differ on things. So yeah, people coming to this event will have different views on the whole idea of ministry. There are people who get paid. There's some people coming who have to raise a half million dollars a year to operate a ministry, and other people wow. have no money right. ever, you know, like most of us. Yeah. So... So uh, it's across the board, and it's across the, there's there's a uh, across the board political representation difference because the ministry game is not just defined through political alliances, right? There's good people doing things that you disagree with all the time, right? You know, it's like why don't we why don't we find out what they're doing? So um, yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do because I want to encourage people. I'd like to save young people that are like chasing the dream of the ministry ten years of stupidity. You know, right. because that dream's not going to come true. Right. Okay, I, I mean, it's not only not going to come true, uh, but statistically, the odds are so stacked against you right now. There are a lot of other ways. I'm also bringing in a group of three drummers that are prof- I play in bands, and these guys are played in all bands with these guys. And one guy's a legend in Seattle, and I want to talk to them about the music business, and about who makes money and who doesn't. Right. You know, it turns out a lot of famous people do not make money. Yeah. And none of these guys make a full-time living at it, right? Yeah. They're hacking their lifestyle to play music. And I'd like to suggest that the ministry ought to follow in their footsteps instead of like the, the CEO of Microsoft or something, or a, right. a lawyer or a professor. That's, that's just not the game. The game is to have a, a lifestyle that, more like an artist. Yeah. And you don't presume you're going to be paid to do this. You just, you just, that's not the thing. If you get some money, awesome, but, but most people are not. That doesn't mean you don't know. There are a few people who get paid. Right. right? Like there's a few famous musicians. Yeah. But ironically, a lot of those guys, like Charlie Watts, who plays drums in the Rolling Stones, you know, he tours, say, a year, every five years to make a gazillion dollars. And right. then he goes home and he plays in a 10-piece jazz band, which is what he really likes to do. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Who, so who knows yeah. those, the other nine guys' names? We don't know, but Charlie plays in a band with them. Uh-huh. So I'm interested in, in sort of reframing and reimagining what the whole ministry thing should look like. Because so, I think that you're, you touch on a really important point that when it becomes a business or like the systems and institutions that I've talked about in this podcast, like when it becomes a institution that needs to be fed every month like some kind of monster, then it almost encourages that living a secret life, doesn't it? It can. Because you can't really live out in the light. 
Well, not everybody is makes that because our brokenness, of course, will express itself in almost any environment. Yeah. However, institutional life is is particularly dangerous because of its demands on sort of prevaricating and putting up a front and because you're being paid most of the time. Yeah, yeah. Institution being paid. So yes, there's it is particularly pay, dangerous. There's a staff. Right, yeah. right. But but the interesting thing about that and one of the things I want to explore in Hack the Ministry is I'm bringing institutional people in. Right. Because the fact of the matter is while ideas emerge among artists and creative people, uh, you know, the the change actually comes from the top down. So institutions get the final call. Right. They end up doing it. I'm not saying that's good. I'm saying it is a human fact. And so ultimately there's going to be a partnership between these entities whenever something new and creative happens. Like when Facebook started, the motto was move fast and break things. You right. know, now the motto is move fast, break a few things. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Don't break everything. Okay? Yeah. Why? Because they're like they're the institution. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I like to explore as a follower of Jesus particularly, he he wandered in and out of institutions and then with the hippies, you know, you didn't know who he's gonna hang out with. Yeah. That's that's an awesome lifestyle, I think. Yeah. So I want to be able to do that and uh, and uh, yeah and help people who have been uh, you know to your point trapped in the institution feel like they have to lie to find a way out of that you yeah. know to find a way there's people here that you can talk to that you know have been where you've been and I've got a friend I can't get him to come to this but uh, he and I uh, planted a church in Seattle years ago and he he uh, uh, he was a rock star pastor, and I was I ran the church basically, you know, for him. Right. And it was like one of those things. I, we had a great time, but then he blew his life up with you know having affairs and so on. Oh, and man. so, uh, and so he's he and I are friends now. We, we right. went through a lot of changes, but we're very close. But he said uh, his, the name of the book he, <laughs> the name of the book he wants to write is called All My Life I Kept the Nine Commandments. <laughs> Nine Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Maybe so, somebody can relate. Yeah, exactly. That's one he missed. Like, I got to read that. Which one? Solve the dissonance. What's a bad one? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, have you noticed that Christians today will get into huge legal battles and political fights for the right to put the Ten Commandments, you know, on a stone thing in front right. of the courthouse? Yeah. When was the last time you heard uh, Christians doing something like that to get the Beatitudes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I wrote a post about um, the Nashville statement. Mm -hmm. um, the Nashville statement was this this you know, official yes. document that came out from evangelicals to say that we're against gay people getting married, right? Right. And that was one of the points that I made. Is that you know Matthew five, Jesus brings out this. That would be good. We should have that in front of the <laughs> because if you're gonna like if you're gonna make a statement, how about that? Let's put that and mail that out to all the churches. Yeah. By the way, if you've even you know looked at a woman, yeah, exactly. You know, if you've even shouted that. "f you" in traffic, <laughs> that's a whole different paradigm right there. Yeah. So October twelfth, two thousand seventeen, yeah, at the Ballard Homestead, the a Ballard very Homestead. unknown spot. Yeah, uh, was originally a Pentecostal, then a Nazarene church. Mm -hmm. A guy that came to plant churches ten years ago, Nazarene guy, and now is uh, basically become a soccer coach and right. uh, runs a business and has infiltrated the neighborhood, but was never able to plant the church in the official way. Uh, it's a venue there in Ballard. Uh, it's going to be from ten to ten. 
10, 10, and and 10, basically until we wear out. Right. Uh, It's a very, uh, it's, uh, we're going to have 20 people presenting, giving short presentations, really short. In other words, we we do, we do one round where there's four of us, Uh and each person, I'm going to interview each person like I interviews, and I give you two and a half minutes, tell me what you do. You know, tell me about the work you do, and I already know the work you do. So if you don't tell me, I can pull it out of you. Tell me about this. <laughs> That's right. Don't yeah. you drive Uber? Don't you drive Lyft? Oh, yeah, yeah. You drive pizza, and you have this podcast. We can get it done in two and a half minutes. I go through four people like that. You're all on stage with me, uh-huh. and I say to the audience, "Who do you want to talk with?" You know. So uh, uh, Russ is going to be over here in this corner, and this person will be downstairs. Right. And so for the next half hour, the people that really want to talk to you and really want to get something from you, I, I go with you. It might be one person, it might be 10, it might be 50 people. I don't know, right? right? We don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I view it more like a music festival where people can wander between stages. Right. You know, like, I got that, okay, I'm gonna go over here now. We do that four times, so that's 16 people that we get. And some of these people are well-known and some are not really famous, but I wanted, to, I think they're doing great work. I mean, yeah. like, I think what you're doing is great work. And, uh, and so, we do a, these things move quickly, and then we regather and say, "Who did you hear that you thought was interesting?" People stand up. That Russ was awesome. That thing he said. So then we start collecting. We harvest the information. Right. We do that. So we do that a series of times, and then we interrupt that with what I call blue ocean ministry ideas. You know, ideas that you can steal and replicate immediately in scale. Right. Like I'm bringing a, a woman that did church planning with me. Uh, she was a volunteer. She wasn't like a paid professional, but she worked with me in two or three projects and as a close friend and then later she went on to actually start garden ministries and ministries I mean she started teaching people how to use gardens and so on she's a very profound personal relationship with Jesus but now she does this all in public so she helps elementary kids right public parents, school right? elementary you can see kids. as a parent the upside of that and yeah really awesome do it at home and uh, and so she does now what I call she moved from church planting to plant churching. Right. And I, I think a lot of people could actually pick up her idea quickly and infiltrate their neighborhoods, yeah. you know, if they wanted to. Yeah. So there's two or three ideas like that, and then I'm doing a um, I'm going to do two sessions. One is on a, a project I've been working on called the Three Practice Group, which is uh, helping people cross the difference divide. Right. I've invited some Muslims, some uh, some uh, conservative political people and some liberal political people to be in a, in a group together. I'm going to demonstrate how you can actually sit in a group with your ideological opponent and not kill them. Right. In fact, actually like them and maybe come to their defense even, yeah. you know, after the fact. And then we're going to wrap it up with a thing on meaning and money called, I'll show you my numbers if you'll show me yours. Uh-huh. And because uh, there's been so much uh, mystery around money and, and I've always thought about doing a podcast called like, how much money do you make? You know, and <laughs> right. just tell people clearly, like everything, I, money I have. Like I'm 70. I don't have anything in the bank. I'm in retirement. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have life insurance. I owe ten thousand right. dollars. Everything I'm saying is true. Actually, in my case, okay, right. <laughs> I'm not making it up. And what if you just said that and said that's that's me? What, how about you? And you just got people telling the truth about the financial picture yeah. without all the stupid fucking shame yeah. and shit that people go through. Like, how? What a relief it would be to say. Oh, I get it. Oh, no wonder we are all living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. this thing, don't live paycheck to paycheck. Well, wh- wh- who, which people are you talking to? I yeah. never not live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. You know, 
And that's, that's so, a level of honesty that most people don't get to. You know, but people try to keep up with the Joneses, or but it's like sex. You know, you start talking about sex. Oh my God! You know, like you know, why don't we talk about money this way? Like yeah. you know, it's like it's almost more sacred than sex. Like we can't. Uh, yeah. you know, it's like, intimate. Sex. Yeah, right? like oh, yeah. because it's like revealing my success and yeah. my failure as a human being in in American society, right? Yeah. And so, so anyway, this final session will be about that as it relates to the ministry and the that's whole a, game that's that goes awesome. on. So that's how that's how it's going to wrap up. That's what's going to go on that day. That's October that's 12th. really healthy too. By the way, I want to touch on the money issue because I think that we discount some of that discount. There's an economic word, but th that word intimacy is basically. I heard a, a psychologist say. He said, here's a, here's a quick definition of intimacy. All that stuff that's going on in your head that you stress about and that creates cortisol and all these yep. stress hormones, yep. all that stuff going on up there, you actually bring that to your mouth gate and you tell another human being. Right. That's called intimacy, yeah. <laughs> which I think is great. And, we, and, and money is something we really do stress about a lot. And who, who being, doesn't? Exactly. Know. And being human, hum, humility is, is talking about it publicly, right? right. So... Human and humility and humor are very closely connected. That's right. And so, humanity. And humanity, right? So we need more of those things yeah. in our lives to uh, to help us if we're going to grow up before we grow old. Right. right. Yeah. And so regardless of what your motives are, my motive is to uh, be try and get my life to line up with what I say is important to me. Yeah. i got to put this computer in. Oh, no problem. It's it's walking out what you're talking walking the talking the walk walking the talk, you know. That's uh, something that's kind of rare today. Like it's easy to say stuff. It's like that that old saying: my my eyes were bigger than my stomach. You know, you get a bunch of food and then you can't eat it all. Yeah. <laughs> so we do that with our mouth all the time. <laughs> it seems like we we have a lot of big ideas and big goals, but then we put you know some gas behind it and actually walk it out. Is a whole I mean, we need each story. other. Right? We need each other's Yeah, help. we just can't get there alone. Exactly. I'm, just, I'm embarrassed by how needy I am with you know with needing people to help do a thing. Yeah, you know, it's just. So yeah, it does. It, it is largely about overcoming hubris with humility yeah. and saying what I don't know. Uh, a wonderful book I've read is called Being Wrong by Katherine Schultz. And it's about the persistence and the frequency of wrongness in our lives. How it's far, we're far more consistent, we're far more likely to be wrong than we are to be right. 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 So that's why you hit the ball three times out of ten and you're a rock star. Yeah, yeah. You miss it seven times, okay? <clears throat> so, But it's a translated into our lives, and so that's how often we're wrong about stuff. Like, probably at least eight out of ten times, we have the wrong concept. We're, we're, asking, we're asking the wrong question. Yeah. We have the wrong perception. We have the wrong person. We have the wrong idea. And, you know, so, uh, humbly, that's why hacking is so important, because you get in a room and together you just celebrate your wrongness. Yeah. You just say, let's just see what we come up with, you know? That's right. So you take an idea, like a hackathon, and like uh, people present an idea, and people just. The word hack, by the way, is to, to millennials what the word strategy was to boomers. Right. Okay. So if you say the word hack to boomers, people my age usually go, oh, that sounds bad. You're going to break something. <laughs> you know, you say hack to a millennial, it's like, oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Let's go do that. Yeah. Sounds innovative. Just, yeah. They just use it casually. Like, uh, it's, a ha it's a hack. Yeah. I'm going to hack this. Or, like, I met a, a guy in a paint job I'm working on. 
he works for Twitter, and he said, I said, what are you doing home? He said, this is Hack Week. Hit this guy, he's like, yeah. hey, Twitter. this is Hack Week, what's that? And he said, we take a week off and you can do whatever you want. And he says, I'm painting my house. So, <laughs> so, so that's, uh, that's the spirit and the idea. Uh, I want people to discover they're not alone yeah. and they're not stupid. They're yeah. not the only stupid person. Exactly. That's right. right. And I like to say to young people, people in their 30s and 40s, about 10 years of wasted time. Yeah. Like, why waste 10 years? Yeah. You know, I didn't have. I spent at least 10 years doing crap I shouldn't. I didn't need to do. Just. I probably spent more than that, but I can't face it. Right. You know. I would like to help young people. You know, come to terms with the fact that you. You know, if you could listen, like we call this a gathering of sages, peers, and mentors. The half the ministry. We're bringing right. people together, like in their, that have been at this for 30, 40 years, people that have been at it for 20 years, and people who are just getting started. To learn from each other. From each other. Right. You know, yeah. and not just sit for the old guys to sit and talk. Just the half white the beards, the gray beards are going to come the in presenters and are wisdom. Yeah, half yeah. the presenters are women. Nice. And, um, and so that's what's up. Are they wearing head coverings? Of course. <laughs> First Corinthians, what is it? Well, <laughs> it's right there. Because, I mean, unless it's a hijab, then no. <laughs> no right. If they wrap it too tightly around their head, you get in trouble. Allah maybe likes it. <laughs> Jesus doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. But yeah, man, I'm glad you're doing this. And it's it's so important nowadays, I think, to, to have a, something like Hack the Ministry. That's another thing about the word hack that um, I've talked to people. Uh, I talk to a lot of people because I drive Uber and Lyft all day. <laughs> but I've also been able to be uh, very fortunate to have some pretty influential people in the car. And one guy was from South Africa. And he was talking about the election. And, and this guy, black man, very eloquent, worked for Microsoft, traveled the world. Two weeks before the election, he says, I think Trump's going to win your election. And I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. <laughs> right. You know, okay, I'm up here in Seattle in my little liberal bubble right. thinking that, you know, Hillary's going to win. I wasn't real fired about that either. Right. But I figured, well, Hillary's got this and this is what's going to happen. Sure. And and sure enough, well, what he said was this, and it has to do with hacking, and it has to do with maybe metaphorically what you're talking about. It's really hard for people to hide nowadays. It's hard for right. corrupt politicians to right. hide. Right. And what these folks don't know is that a lot of people have access to Twitter. They have access to the Internet. And people like Hillary, this is what he said. He said, I've seen it in Taiwan. He goes, I've seen it in the East, you know, South Korea. He goes, I've seen it in, in Europe with Greece and, you know, some of these Eastern, old Eastern Bloc countries. He goes, I've seen it way, seen it in South Africa. He goes, when you cross a working class people and you break their trust, he says, forget it, you're done. And he goes, that's why Trump's going to win your election. Yeah. And he was right. Yeah. But the, see, that's what's happening in church today. This this had me thinking about ministry and why people are so, you know, they, we're Christians are hypocrites. Well, of course they are. Right. But we're just not willing to admit that. Right. And so what you're doing is you're bringing in, here's here's how I'm, I'm working through this slog of hypocrisy <laughs> that is right. you know that is doing things differently and walking out this this life and and if Jesus is more about light you know then that's and that's in the Bible I mean it, Jesus says hey your your sins will be out in the light right yeah you, you know bringing in out into the the light what's in the dark 
um, well, just think of that from a darkness can overtake light. And think of that as a recovery standpoint, because I think sometimes the recovery world has has this dialed in way more accurately in that that it's about getting things in the light, right? That's why yeah. we sit in a group and talk. Exactly. It's about telling the truth about ourselves. It's about hearing our own voice. We don't have a mechanism for that in church. Yeah. You know, we just don't have it. It's not there. And and so what you get in the recovery world is more light and more honesty and wherever that's going on, I ha- I think God's around personally. Yeah. You know, whatever whatever name you want to call God, I just think that that's that's what I like to be around. Yeah. I don't care if people are into Jesus. I'm into Jesus, but if they're not and they want to be honest, I'm down with it. Like let's go hang out. Yeah. Because it's uh it's refreshing, keeps me alive. That's what I think being a disciple is. Like, there's a discipline to hearing the truth. Yeah. Like, this, the, the, the way Christians use the word disciple is so watered down, and it's like you go to school, like it's an education, like you can sit in yeah. a classroom. Or a it's brand, not, like you're wearing a letterman's yeah. jacket or something. <laughs> Whereas doing the hard work of actually owning your shit, you know, and admitting it, yeah. you know, is a very different kind of discipline. It's the only way out of those traps. Yeah. Only way out. You have to basically own your own shit and, and find a way to be, and you have to find co-explorers, co-sufferers, co-people that are with you yeah. who will will be with you. They're not going to do the work for you, but they're going to they can say I've done this. We you know, this this is possible. Yeah. So we need more like that in the church. We need more honesty, more humanity and stuff. So, yeah, so I am hoping that uh, you know, we're, it's our little contribution <laughs> to yeah. that the spirit of that, you know, with this event. Awesome. Hack the ministry. Hack the ministry. Dub, dub, dub. Hack the ministry. That's right. October 12th in the Seattle. Seattle. 10 to 10, one day. That's right. You'll be worn out. Your brain will sweat. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a intensive. You'll feel uncomfortable at least once. <laughs> you, it ain't working if you like feel uncomfortable. It's going to happen. That's We're right. We're doing our job. Yeah. It's a wild goose going on. Yeah, right it's there. a wild goose chase. <laughs> and that's so true. It's it's not pointing at the cross and having to brand it yourself. It's not pointing at the cross and telling people to get right. It's people coming together, looking at the cross and going, "Hey, there's room for you here too." Yeah. You know? yeah. Jim, thanks again for you being. You want to get saved when you talk that way. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. All right. Later. Yes, there goes Jim Henderson of Hack the Ministry, October 12th in Ballard, neighborhood of Seattle, Washington. Uh, Hack the Ministry, again, .org, if you'd like to check it out. I'll be there. Uh, might say a thing or two. You never know. Myself and my funky, messed-up esophagus, <laughs> we will see you there. My eyes are a little red still. It's it's like, like blood pooled little hemorrhages in my eyes. So it's, you know, kind of a Halloween bonus, maybe. I don't know. I'm trying not to scare anyone. I've been wearing sunglasses as not to scare my passengers. But, yeah. Anyway, uh, listen, thanks for uh, downloading the podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time. Uh, hey, if you could rate this podcast, that's one way you could do uh, a little something to keep the message going. Uh, rate and share. That would be sweet. And donate. Anyway, ASI247.org. Thanks again for listening.
Heart, Mind, Love, Sex, and Affection on Facebook. You could find me there, Russ at ASI247.org. Would love to hear from you. And again, it's been great chatting with you guys and girls. I know there's ladies listening too. Till next time, I'll leave the show with a little more skillet there. Bye.